Oh yes, this is the Hardcore Marketing Show. My name is Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show has a sponsor, Cheshire Impact. This is a team that's here just to help you maximize your use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Bam! <laughs> now, my guest for today is awesome. We met at a Flip My Funnel conference, and you know, one of those quick little convos turned into this lengthy one talking about our buyers and really understanding who they are. I would go so far as to say she is a buyer whisperer. She is a marketplace Yoda, researching, analyzing conversations with your buyers and understanding them better to just, it, you know, and we've always talked about this, that the more you know your buyer and the challenges they face, the better your marketing is. So I'm happy to introduce her. She's also a speaker, presenter, Harvard Business School, MBA, and president of Eastside Consulting. Parmalee Eastman, how are you? Hey, I'm great. Thanks for that great introduction. Yeah, well, that you That conversation it. was great that we had. Just sat down and kept on talking. Yeah, and it was almost like marketing therapy because I was able to share with you about my different buyers and, and yeah. how they come from different directions and they have different concerns. And, you know, it sounded like you'd heard that conversation before and you were helping me to, you know, able to get my head around it. So I'm happy to have you here because the theme is around getting to know your buyer, understanding them. And we have this maturity model for marketing automation called CSI. And it's the very first step. The first thing you got to do is understand them. And then all the other work makes so much more sense. If you're going to nurture them, you know who, who you're going to nurture. You're going to know what you need to say. You're going to know all these other things. If you're going to segment. All this stuff relates back to your buyers and just understanding them better in your marketplace. So I'm happy to have you here. So I, I want to do, this is a tradition we have. I want to pass you Thor's hammer and yeah. receive the hammer. Now smash a myth. Is there any bogus strategy you've been hearing around getting to know your buyer? Um, any kind of craziness you've heard that you just want to set the record straight right away? Well, one thing I want to do is I do a lot of research for people, but you don't need me. I okay. can explain how to do this yeah. and you can do it yourself. You have to be careful about who within the company is actually doing the, the interviewing of yeah. your customers. Okay. But with that caveat, you don't need me. And okay. I got a great book that I can recommend. I'll do that later. Okay. So just, it's so important because what I find is there's no one myth that exists about buyers, but there's a lot of misunderstanding. Okay. What kind there's of misunderstanding lot, do we have? Well, one person within our, an organization will have talked a lot to customer A yeah. and generalizes about that conversation. And ah. then somebody else has talked to customer B and generalizes. So I find that having some good information about customers through actual interviews really sets everybody straight. It doesn't okay. mean the people inside are wrong. It means that they have not looked at kind of the totality of right. the customer base and, and having actual interviews really helps get everybody on the same page okay. and yeah. able to move forward faster. That's Makes really sense. the benefit uh, of talking about uh, talking to customers in a win-loss program. Got it. You know, it, it makes sense too, because we all bring our biases. I like to just assume that whatever I think is cool is what my buyer thinks is cool, but we do, we bring our own biases in and we may exactly. not be our buyer. You know, like if you see a really, I used to do this, I'd hate on a bad commercial. I'd see a really bad commercial. I'm like that's the, that's the shittiest commercial I've ever seen, but you know what? It wasn't for me. Like I wasn't yes. the target demographic for that. 
Um, it was for someone else. Now, if that particular demographic target or whoever that potential buyer was thought that that was a bad commercial, then it is a bad commercial, but I wasn't it. So I could see how even my own bias and, and we bump into this too. Like if the CEO thinks that is, or isn't a good campaign, maybe he or she knows, or maybe doesn't know because is that person your buyer? It's, it, I could see yeah. how that sort of these general conversations, you know, the VP of sales thinks this, VP of marketing thinks this, no one really actually knows. It's almost like you have that gut feeling and then yes. no one's really resolved it. And it doesn't mean their guts are wrong. Their guts are just not complete and not reconciled. That's that all. Sense. That's okay. what I'm saying. So I, I always try to say, Hey, Mr. Client or Ms. Client, you're, you know, that's a start, but let's keep going and get some more hard information and then you can think about it. Got it. So that's really what we're doing here. Got it. So how, how, do, how do we start? You know, how do, how do we approach this whole thing? I mean, boil the ocean. I'm getting nervous already. How do we, <laughs> so what's like part, part one, one, you know, what's, where do we start here? So I always recommend that companies start with a win loss program. Okay. And that is talking to the, the buyers that you won over and they made a decision to acquire your product or service. Okay. But also talking to the prospects that made a decision for another solution. So you can see why people are choosing you, but you conversely, you can see people see why people are not choosing your solution. Ah. That, what that does is help you understand what, what people really value. Um, the people who chose you, maybe they're not choosing you for quite the reason you thought. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> yeah. Or they do like, you know, your features A, B, and C, but D is also really important. And conversely, maybe your competitors have a great feature F and you haven't really worked on it, but there's a segment mm -hmm. out there that really wants it. So you're trying, what you're trying to do is figure out which are the right customers for you. And conversely, you're trying to figure out which, which prospects should I drop? Uh, I yeah. Not pursue very long. Now that's always a good question because maybe you could talk, you know, good salesperson. And by the way, I was a good salesperson. Yeah. Yeah, I was. So I understand. I'm not trying to criticize sale. I'm just saying salespeople are like, I got to make this happen. That's my job. Right. But what you really want to do is spend your time in a, with the most productive accounts. So if you can figure out where you shouldn't be, that's really valuable. So if your product, and I have seen this in, it, in customers or, or of mine, say your product doesn't have uh, foreign language capabilities and you run across a prospect that needs that, say thank you very much, have a good <laughs> life, you know. Right. Don't, yeah. it's not worth the time trying to fool or trick them or anything it's, like that. No, no. You yeah. want to go there. You want to go find the people that don't need that functionality because you have a much better chance. So it actually helps you define your buyer in the right. sense of what features, what do I have that what segment of the market wants? And there's more than one segment. I, right. I know that, you know, the important thing is to understand which segments you're going to win on. Uh oh, right. I see a little note saying unstable internet, but I'm ah. going to keep talking and keep my fingers no crossed. I'm here. I'm learning. Hey, yeah. you brought up a good point about who should I drop? And sometimes we learn more from the losses than we do from the wins or, or, you know, sometimes we learn more from the bad dates than we do from the good ones. You know, exactly. This is what I really don't want. And, and, you know, it, it's funny you mentioned that, you know, sales is often like, look, 
I'm going to sell whoever you bring to me, but that's almost like that. That's like new level sales or newbie, you know? Um, yeah. And yeah. you mentioned the sales training and I, I want to hear about yours, but when I had some sales training too, and it was kind of fun. I was selling tuxedos or, or signing people up for tuxedos at bridal shows. Right. So <laughs> I liked the job cause it was pretty decent money. I got to wear a tux. Like, Hey, look at me. They called me a tux model. I don't you know, anyone watching this on YouTube is like, really? <laughs> but, but the, you know, so I get to wear talks and it was kind of a salesy thing. And so I'd get people to walk by and I'd say, hey, you know, do you want to sign up to get your talks at this particular place? And and I remember just, you know, wanting to avoid rejection. If someone said like, would say like no right up front, I'm like, okay, I know you said no, but like this and this and this and this and this. And it wasn't until um, I was uh, driving up to a, a show up in Bangor, Maine, and I was with his name is bill he's a c he was a ceo and oh uh, he might still be the ceo but he was sort of teaching me he was great at sales and he was saying you know you know one thing you do is you actually spend a lot of time on the people that are are like no's right from the beginning like you're trying to convert them like you you know like you're on a quest these people aren't a fit they've ruled themselves out and yet you're still talking to them for like the next eight plus minutes or however long it is meanwhile there's other people walking by that maybe you could have addressed who actually are good fits. And I remember when he told me that it was sort of a, a game changer for me because I had, I spent a lot of time on those other people when what I should have done has been more clear about my buyer. And, you know, exactly. they, they said, no, just move on. Exactly. That's exactly right. That, that is exactly my point. I, I had a client that was like that. They yeah. had developed a, a, a lead program. They were getting lead after lead. But after doing a, a win-loss for them, I said, your guys spent a lot of time on companies that were not appropriate. You're the Cadillac yeah. of the industry. You've got a lot of bells and whistles and a price to match. Yeah. But you're spending time on little guys that, that didn't need that. They just yeah. you know, needed a little commuting car, not a, you know, a, big, <laughs> a big truck. You know? So I said, right. and, he, and, the, and the VP went, yeah, you're right. That's what we did. So that's a really important point if you... Mm. If you can see what you, what the people liked about you versus versus the competition and what other clients, then you're going to know. Hey, here's my buyer. I'm not going to spend the eight minutes or eight months or whatever it is right. on people who are not likely to buy. It doesn't mean all of those wouldn't have bought, but you're you're increasing your percentage win rate so much by going to the people who are more likely to buy. Right. So that's where win-loss can really help you okay. in terms of defining who's the buyer, what features, what messages, because it's not just the features, it's kind of the message that you're giving as well. So when they say, I like this feature, it'll help me keep up with my competitors. You go, okay, so let me think about how they worded that because that's the way I need to word my marketing messages and what I need to give to sales to so, say. So it sounds like how they say it too is important. So let me take yes. a step back here. So we're going to do this win loss. We're going to look at people we've won over. We're going to talk to them, people that we've lost. We're going to try to talk to them. We got a list here. So I've got my list. That's easy. Salesforce report. Now, now what do you go into that with like a preset, type of questions I heard features and messages do you have like a like a golden yes. list that you try to ask people well each list is different so I okay. sit down with my client and uh, or talk over the phone whatever yeah, yeah and we develop a list and we're trying to understand 
first off, how did you develop the list of companies that you looked at? We know that buyers are going online. They're doing an awful lot of research before they even contact yeah. a potential solution, solution provider. So we need to understand where our buyers are going to find information. So then we get that and we ask them, what are the criteria you're using? Who's making that decision? Uh, and we go through the decision process. Now, we all know that people make decisions on emotions. Yeah, I was just going to ask you. Yeah. Yeah, but they're going to tell you that they do X, they're making the decision on X, Y, and Z. And so you need to find out, you need to probe a little bit about, okay, you say these features are important to you, but what's really going on? How did you end up feeling comfortable with the decision that you made? So we've got a set list of questions. This is not a survey, it's a conversation, and it's mm. not what I would call a, a statistically significant. That's not what we're doing here. Got we're it. finding guidance. We're finding direction. Um, you could use this information to do a survey if you want, but this is not a survey, but it's very qualitative. We get off the phone and we write down as near as we can exactly what was said. We don't want to record. That might turn people off or make them uncomfortable. So we... Right but we do capture a lot of the wording, especially when it's important. Right. So that means that you can compare co all the conversations because you're answering the same set of questions. Then you, you kind of get into value. Did you get value for your decision? And, mm. and value, then you can kind of ask about price. And I know that's a sensitive issue, but if you get into value, then you can make a, uh, a question the next question kind of about price price is not usually a deciding factor mm. but people say price is if you ask a salesperson don't they yeah ask hey mr hey salesperson why did you lose price we were price. priced high no no price. no as a matter of fact i have a friend who did a very extensive uh, very good win-loss program. Okay. And he always talked to the salespeople before he talked to the to the customer or oh, the prospect. Yep. And he said, the salespeople who won knew why they win. The salespeople who lost didn't really know why they lost. Uh -huh. And it's pretty obvious once he said that. I went, yeah, because the salesperson who lost wasn't that involved, didn't have good relationships, et right. cetera. Right. So it's good to have salespeople ask salespeople what's your perspective don't want to step on your feet you know step all over you in terms of getting to talking to your client yeah. but i said before you don't need me to do this but it's not good to have the salesperson asking these questions <laughs> why did you dump me <laughs> yeah, yeah why did why did you didn't you like me yeah that's give me really a reason why we broke up yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh it's not you it's me <laughs> you know that's impossible. Yeah, yeah, and I'm not ready for a serious relationship, but you know, yeah, the yeah. person gets married in six months, but yeah, <laughs> right. So <laughs> well, that's when you have the salesperson do it, that's the kind of conversation you totally. have. So you want to have somebody from corporate who can have, who doesn't have a direct relationship. It's going to be a little objective, and that person totally. can call. So that's why I'm saying that's the caveat that I have, and that's why. You want to ask the salesperson, but you don't want the salesperson to do the interview. And, um, and you can get, you know, get some good information. 
companies are used to getting these kinds of calls. So yeah. they, even though I, when I do it, I don't say I'm from, um, you know, I'm from XYZ company. They'll kind of assume that I was from one right. of those competitors. One of them. Yeah, one of them. But, but that's okay because it, it's kind of understood. Like I'm going to provide some feedback and oh, you know, that's, that's cool. just, yeah. Do you, get, do you get better feedback if you're from the victor or do you, you, you can call either way? I call either way. Interesting. I, I, I get, I get uh, equal feedback because they don't know who I'm calling from. Right. But I have seen where customers call, my customers or com- people from the company call and they do get good feedback. Like right. I say, it's just because buyers expect to be able to talk to those people and provide some feedback. Right. It's not probably, everybody. yeah, it's not probably easier to provide positive feedback to the company itself. You know, why yeah. did we get married? It was because of your eyes is a lot easier than <laughs> why did we break up? You know, no, no, no. Tell my best friend why we broke up, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I could exactly. see how you, but you can have those conversations with people and your third party and you know, your conversations yes. are nice about things. And so the pressure's off and they'll feel good about, you know, helping out some other people. But you know, there's one thing you said though, ask sales first. I love that because either way you get the data of why we think we lost it. Why we think we lost it was this. When we talked to the customer, they said X, you know? And so yeah. you get to see if there's any sort of correlation between uh, you, exactly like you, like you said, like yes. your friend who said, you know, the ones we won, yep, the answer was the right one for the most part. But when we lost, it was price. But no, it was actually because they hated the sales guy. Yeah. So, but I don't look on this as being negative for sales. Don't present it Good that point. way. Yep. You're looking at trying to help the salespeople be more effective. Right. So it's really, you're just gathering information for sales training. Let's put it that way. So, it's, it's yeah. never a negative. You've got to be very positive about, we're going to help you win more business by understanding uh, a little better where you should be and where you shouldn't be. Good point. I don't know why my tendency was just to go burn somebody, but yeah, you're right. Like no. we're not here. Like, okay, we lost a deal. Let's learn from it. Let's be, let's, instead of being reactive, let's be creative about this response and, and learn more. Think about, you know, why this happened and what we could do differently. That kind of, you know, you need yes. the data for that type of, of response. You know, one other thing you said was, um, and I, I love this, people that one knew why, the people that didn't, didn't know why. That's exactly. So it's like, it's very, very telling. Yeah. Maybe that salesperson wasn't paying that much attention to the deal or didn't establish right. a good enough relationship. Right. Hey, these things happen. Or so, it really wasn't a good fit. Right. So, so that's why you, you need to look at it more broadly. Okay. Now, the other thing we haven't talked about is the, is the fact that you also get a feel for the competitors and what are they saying. I mean, win-loss is not just about customers. Okay. It's about your competitors. When does that come, come up? Because I've got questions like, where do you do your research? How do you shop? Did you get value? Um, how about price? And is, is that the next question that comes up is? Well, who do you consider? Who do you consider? Why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I went to this, you know. I went to Cheshire and I asked them, but I also went to XYZ over here and, you know, people I met at a conference or they were recommended. So you're, you're looking at yourself versus the competition without right. needing to talk to the competition. But that's really important because then you understand, well, what are they saying right. about themselves and maybe about you? 
because it's not just you selling to a prospective buyer. It's you selling versus other companies that are selling. Right. And it's good to know those landmines that other companies are laying for you. Like, oh, you know, they, they said your thing was X or they said you were hard to use or the implementation, you know, horrendous and all that kind of FUD that maybe the other team puts out there. Value, it's good to understand, you know, was it effective or not? They put out this FUD and, you know, would it be helpful to counter counter it or is just ignore it because it's silly and the client gets it? Yeah. Interesting. Or is your message too much like your competitors and they're sort of saying, oh, you know, I really don't see the difference between, you know, this company and that company. That's really. Would that be a a reason to go to price then? Like how how would you discover that if, if, if somebody told, well, I didn't really know, I mean, you guy versus you guys. So I just went for lowest bidder. Is that what happens in those conversations or? That happens occasionally. Occasionally. But I'm just saying that that's one of the things that you're finding out. Right. Yeah. You're finding out whether you have really come up with uh, a, a differentiated message so that company, your buyers know what you stand for what they can get from you versus making another decision. Yeah, I love that. So so I do a lot of competitive research, like a competitive profile or, you know, before a launch, what are the competitors likely to do? But I think this program is a great one to start out with, the win-loss, because you're understanding your customer as well as your competitors better. Yeah. And, and yeah. You're, yeah, you're, it's two at the same time as opposed exactly. to... Exactly. And it's also, it, it has the context of, was it even important? Because maybe you do some research on their website, you find out they're really saying that they're the, they're the easiest tool to use, but maybe the customers don't really care or they don't even buy into that. So maybe you don't... Exactly. Don't respond, you don't need to respond to it because that's not even an issue. And you find that out by having the conversations. Exactly. Like exactly. So you're understanding what the customers really think of you and really think of the competition. So what that does for marketing people is they can better um, do lead programs because they better understand oh, sure. who they should be go after, yeah. better understand the messages that they can use. Salespeople better understand which deals they should go after. There's a reason why win-loss programs generally return about a 30% there's a 30% return on investment. Oh, so that means whatever money you spend on it, you're getting. Yeah. 30% return. So that's pretty good. Interesting. Yeah. Like a, like a 30% bump into how, how well you're doing. Yeah. You basically you're seeing that your increased sales. Yeah. You know, you're going to see a 30% bump. Got it. Okay you're going to be so much more efficient and effective by efficient. I mean, you're going to close them faster because you're going after the right people. Yeah. I was going to say that company. Yeah. That company you mentioned that was spending a lot of lead gen. I mean, you mentioned time, but also I'm sure they're spending gobs of money on the lead gen for those leads. They didn't even want. They didn't even want. Yeah. So I have another example of knowing your customer better. So I had a company that was providing uh, a database administrative people on a temporary basis and they said hey our our clients are small companies that uh you know they're not big enough to hire so they want somebody on a part-time or temporary basis yeah well i went in and i looked at it i talked to some of their companies and i found that many of them were larger and they were in remote areas and it took them time to recruit (laughs) they needed help in the meantime so i said you've got two sets of 
customers here. You've got two segments that you're going after. Make sure your messages align with both those segments. Got it. Now, so one of the segments was the remote thing. And then yep. what was the other segment? Just the standard? Smaller companies. Smaller. Okay. So they did have a smaller company segment, but there was another one they, they didn't even realize. Was that? Yes. Okay. And that, and they didn't realize, you know, in the technology field, sometimes it can take a long time to recruit people sure. with a certain set of skills. We know that that's been going on for a long time. So that's just an example where you can find segmentation information. Yeah. 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 So little did they know there was another segment lurking yes. in the shadows that they probably had completely ignored in terms of the marketing and the collateral. Exactly. Exactly. And they had the data. I mean, they could have, but they didn't realize how big some of these companies were. Some of them were private and they, oh, yeah, and they yeah. didn't realize why, which is the remote factor. You know, good, good, good point too, around, you know, internal biases, like, and I, I have mine for who I think my clients are. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, yeah, it's these people and this is why they choose us. And I've got my two areas. How, how, how much like does it interfere with you? If I think I know what those two are for my clients and I tell you, does that sort of bias you as well when you're doing the phone calls or do you try to like take whatever company tells you with a grain of salt? Like, okay, they think it's small companies. Let's see if it actually is. Um, well, what I do is I say, I want, uh, uh, I want the people to call from your database. So let's go through and let's take a look at, you know, your, your customer records, your win loss. Right. And, um, let's pick some representative people. And if I look at that and I say, oh, okay, I only, I see some big names here. So how did you get a client like GM, let's yeah, say, or, right? or, or, um, you know, uh, uh, this Bank of America, I say, well, small company, huh? So let's, let's look at those together and let me call and then find out, you right. know, are you dealing with a small branch? So maybe your small mm, organization yep. model, it's maybe it's a small organization as opposed to a small company model. Right. So I'm trying to work with you or any client on a representative sample from your uh, your records, that that makes a lot of sense, and I and I can see where it helps having your outside view on that because um, a lot of times I have a list of of clients that are really cool. A lot of companies have this where it's like the brag companies, yeah. But oftentimes those companies aren't necessarily your best clients in terms of long term clients. Like some of the best clients we work with, you may not have heard of them outside their industry. They're Right, rock stars, and we love them, but they wouldn't be that other big name you've heard of. Whereas the big, like people can get distracted by, you know, not say the big name or the cool name or the cool brand that we've all, you know, use in the shower or something, right? It's all, yeah, oh, yeah I love that one, but then they might not even be a good fit. So it, it helps that you're getting samples of different ones and probably looking at like, you know, who who actually has spent the most or has, you know, used us the most, not just who's the biggest or who's the smallest and. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so you're, you're going through and you're making sure that you're calling an equal number approximately of wins and losses. Okay. Cause you want both. You don't want any, <laughs> I would say that you, you need to have at least have 10, 10, 10 on each side. So okay. I would say a program to start out. It's okay. good to do it on a regular basis. So if next quarter, Ooh, you, I like that. Yeah. yeah. So start out with a baseline 10 each next quarter, 
do another 10 or at least five uh, wins and five losses yeah. and then keep doing it because you want to see what's going to change over time. You need, you're getting a snapshot right. when you do the initial program. But if you can keep doing it, then you're going to see how things change. You're going to find out that your competitor X has now introduced um, five new languages and can be a real competitor. You know, that's a really good point. You know, yeah. I, I think sometimes we put buyer research in the corner, like put baby in the corner. Yeah. Okay, we'll do this once, or I got to a new company, I'm a brand new CMO, I'm gonna do this thing once to learn about my customer, but I hadn't even thought about that. If you make it a recurring thing, if you make it a regular part, then you're just keeping your, I mean, what's the metaphor? Your, your ear to the ground, to, to yes. the track, your, your finger on the pulse. Yeah, insert metaphor here. You're, you're staying in the loop on things uh, as they develop. Your, your point, you'll find out about some crazy thing your competitor did. You'll find out about, you know, is even the marketplace shifting from exactly. being focused on one thing to being focused on something else? Well, that's right. Smart. And this research is basically historical. And, you know, but you've got to learn oh, yeah. from history. You're using it to project forward. And so that's why as it gets older, you need to keep it up so that you see what's going on and you can respond to changes. I mean, it sounds great. You a new CMO comes in, you know, does the research, sets up the plan, all set. No, let's face it. We're not set in this world. Things are changing too fast. Right. I mean, I love the technology industry. I've been in it since I uh, graduated from the business school yeah. and I love it because it changes and it's also frustrating because it you changes. love those changes. Yeah. I was going to say, it's also frustrating. <laughs> change yeah. is crazy. Yeah. The change is crazy. So you have to understand how, how it's changes, keep up with those changes. So that's why you should always think about doing something on an ongoing basis. Right. You know, I love the quote you said too, or the concept that these are, they're, they're historical. This is not forward facing, you know, people talk about you want, you want um, forward facing metrics that, you know, metrics that indicate something's about to happen as opposed to lagging indicators. Yeah. Um, and so this is a, this is a lagging research, but at the same time, you could then use it to project forward. And if you do it on a regular yes. basis, you can stay closer to the, to the actual change in the market. And that's why we want we want to talk to customers that have made a decision in the past year, mm -hmm. you know, so we're going to go from the most recent decision makers kind of back until we have enough of a, of an idea of what's going on. But if you say, well, uh, you know, this customer made a decision three years ago, I'm not going to talk to them. That's yeah. just, it's not really relevant anymore. You gotta, okay. Sorry. So you're saying don't, so the three year old customer isn't as important because it's so historical no. now. It, exactly. Interesting. So you, you want to start with the more recent decisions. Right. Because you could have, in this industry, you can have a custom, a, a competitor that kind of appears in yeah. a three-year period. I mean, that's, that oh, is. Oh, yeah, totally. Now, it doesn't mean that the three-year-old customer isn't important. And maybe if they're, they did a major upgrade, you know, then maybe it's worth talking to them. But I'm just saying that, you know, I'd prefer... You really need to have the predictive value. You need to have some recent decisions. Well, it's fair and it's tough because I think a lot of us, and I've done this before, you look at your historical sales or your historical database as like some sort of gold treasure stored up. You know, yeah. like the customers you had in, you know, a decade ago, well, they're in that database. I'm sure you're paying 
for that data storage. Like they're in there. <laughs> yeah. All their emails are wrong. But man, that's a, uh, it's like you're a dragon hoarding that treasure, but it's not the case. I mean, things are changing. Yeah. So, you know, the treasure is what you have now, the customers you're with now, the exactly. ones that just recently made a decision because they're up to date. You know, if your customer says they made a decision because they found you on Yahoo, it's probably an old record. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, exactly. And I'm not saying that. You know, there's whole different programs. Yeah. Go back, clean up your database, find out where the people are, see what the company's doing, and see if you could reestablish a relationship. But that's a whole nother type of project. Yeah. I'm just talking about. I'm looking at recent information that's valuable for predictions and creating programs. I like this. In my mind, I see allocating time and resources for this on a quarterly basis. I don't know if you yeah. do like, you know, like ongoing programs because I, even myself, when I was talking to you earlier, I was thinking of like, it's like a one and done, like, let's find out about our customers and then we're good. We'll never have to do it again because we found out about them. But this is such a good point that not only do you find out about them, but they're going to change and morph a little bit, but also you want to stay, you want to stay hip with things. And even yes. that competitive Intel and the pricing Intel, and it, it, it's good if you're going to do one, you know, it's like the one thing you need to do strategically every quarter, say, to make yes. sure your, your message is still on point. I mean, it makes so much sense. I don't, why do people not put more weight into this? I, I don't think they, they don't think about it. Yeah. They, they honestly, a lot of, we've talked to some companies and they go, oh, you do a survey, you know, like you do an online right. survey and wow. we're going, no, we talk to people. We call them up and we talk to them. I know. You know yeah. Peer to peer. I mean, I, I'm not, I don't have some recent college graduate making the calls. Right. I have experienced people and so they can have real conversations and that, a lot of companies just don't understand that that can be done. They don't understand that they can do it and they don't understand that, you know, third parties can do it and get a lot of insight. And you kind of go, Oh, I'm working with a client now. It's $2 billion. And they're like, Oh, <laughs> you can call people, you know, you can call our competitors, you know, customers and find out what's going on. It's like, they, it's not that they're dumb. They're not dumb. They're smart, but they haven't been exposed to it. So that's why I'm glad to do this because I'm spreading the word that this oh. is possible and it will help help the people listening do a better job. Just think about someone doing interviews, in-depth interviews, not to, not to um, you know, correct everything you're thinking about, but either to right. confirm it or expand it. Right. So, so that's what I see. So I get it. So 10... 10 every quarter, we're saying, just putting a line in the sand, 10 yep. every quarter of your wins, but then also 10 of your losses. Because I was thinking, well, how, how am I going to know when someone else chooses something else? Well, it's because they didn't choose you. So go after the losses there. 10 yep. of those, 10 of those a quarter, 10 of the wins a quarter. That, there's probably more information that comes from that than you can even handle in a quarter. So that Exactly. Yeah. As a matter of fact, it, it, we've been talking about this from a marketing perspective, but I've talked about marketing benefits, sales benefits. The other people that really benefit product managers, right? product marketers, because you can kind of see, well, what are the customers saying they want that we don't have? Right. Because that's one of the things that you get out of this. And so product management can look at their 
their roadmaps and say, hmm, maybe we better move this up. Right. Or maybe you know, we can de-emphasize this. Right, de-emphasize this. Um, and I wonder, you know, um, have you, you know, of course you probably this is happening all the time, but, you know, is there any example of, you know, they thought it was, it was Axe, but it was, com- it was like completely different. It was like something totally different. Um, that, that came from that, you know, you're, you're having the conversations and they maybe think, or, or is it, or is it more likely, like you said, it's more of an expansion of what they are. They kind of already have a, a sense for it. And then they just learn a little bit more about it. Like what kind they of, have ex- a, they have an, a sense for it. Okay. And we're just finding out there are always some surprises, but it's more like an expansion or a, a, a kind of a correction. They may think they may know customers like this feature, but they may not understand why customers like the feature so much. Do you have any surprise stories? It sounds like that'd be really I'm just trying to think of of one that's a good one. I was um, thinking that, uh, you know, where they they just really didn't, you know, understand uh, some of the features that were were really attractive. Right, right. I'm sure sometimes it's nuanced too, where it's, you know, industry specific. So that company might've been like mind blown, but then you tell the story to someone else and they, maybe they don't get it quite as well, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure those things are happening. And what's kind of neat is you become again, that customer whisperer where you're, you're, you're more in the know after talking to them. I wonder if that's part of it. Just, you know, I don't know. They say, you know, millennials don't want to talk to people on the phone, but um, I don't know if it's even that it, it was just, it, oh no! They well kind of nervous, not wanting to talk to someone sometimes, and maybe they'll say something I don't want to hear. Or, I don't know. So well, uh, no, you you make a lot of arrangements through through email, and then yeah. you you know you end up. Or we go to trade shows sometimes, and we end up establishing relationships with people, and then we talk to them later. Okay. So, for example, we went to a design trade show for um, the medical field. We had a okay. client made furniture, and. They were sort of saying, hey, we've got little bits of, you know, orders here and there. Why are they buying our furniture? What are they, what are they buying it for? Well, it turned out that, like, one of the things they were buying it for, they had these nice chairs you could hang on the wall. Okay. Okay, so if you're trying to utilize your space better, but you don't know how many people are going to come in uh-huh. to the room, well, then you want to have chair, extra, cha- extra seating. Right. So that's where the that's an example where the they didn't know why, right? These products were being bought, and they went, "Oh yeah, now I now <laughs> I see," because yeah. they were mostly selling in hospitality, like you know restaurants, et right? Et cetera, where you know you want some extra seating that could maybe hang in a wall, but it wasn't as important in restaurants as it turned out to be in medical. Interesting. Facility. Yeah. So like they had a whole another marketplace to explore and to grow. Yes. And, you know, thankfully, they, they recognize a couple oddities, like the oddballs of like, why would someone in a doctor's office or, you know, you know, urgent care be buying our, our restaurant chairs? You know, I could even yeah. see them calling it like restaurant chair thing. And yet some some smart person over there in the, on the medical side was like, oh, actually, this would be perfect for us. And it, it's so true. Like your customers may tell you the next marketplace to be in. You know, you'd see like a lot of these chairs bought in areas with a a lot of communities that tend to bring their families along. Right. Either because they're interpreting or they're that's just the way that communities are. So you have to like, okay, it's not just like every hospital is going to buy extra chairs, every doctor's office. You have to see 
where there's a premium on space right. and there's a community that's going to want that. And they were like, oh, so there's an example. As I, it's now, now that you, when you ask me, I go, huh? But now I think about yeah. that. And there's a good example of where you weren't sure why they were being bought. But right. it was because of extra family and friends that were coming along and a tight tightness on space. Right. It's like yes. a mystery. You've solved a mystery. Yeah, I've solved the mysteries. So we go, okay, so if you think about this doctor's office and they're affiliated with this hospital, why aren't you going to go talk to the rest of the hospital and say, hey, Dr. Smith bought our chairs. He likes them. Yeah. And then you're picking up orders all over. Right. You know, that, that hospital. Next thing you know, you're at the Hims Medical Convention selling your chairs to everyone. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So Kill there's it. an example where you, you need to ask the customers, and they just didn't have time to do it. Okay. They, so we did it. We just called up and, and talked to these people and say, I see you bought this. Why did you buy it? Well, it was the only thing on the market that was like that, or it was the best priced folding chair that you could just hang on the wall. Right. So, so it's not just, most of my clients are in technology, but not all of them. Yeah. Say yeah, that, that, yeah. That's more a practical example. You can actually sit on it. There, here's a story yeah. you can sit on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So, so that, it sounds like that's the, that's the interview we're, we're picking 10 and 10. We've got these questions. We're asking about the process. It's not yeah. a survey. And and anyone that exactly. says so is selling something, right? This is a conversation. Um, exactly. You got it. You know, you've done this a lot. Your team does this a lot. Any tips for someone? They're like, okay, I'm going to try to do this myself. I want to go call them. Um, You're I, just saying, can I have a few minutes of your time? Just okay. to ask about the decision so I can understand it better. Yep. You know, particularly if you're from the company. Um, we, we want to respond better to companies like you. So we'd really like to understand yeah. you know, what happens. So client customers like that. Now I have a great, another great story for you. I know this yeah, guy yeah, named yeah. Neil and he was working with a client and he did some customer interviews as part okay. of that. They had a customer where everything went wrong. The order got screwed up. It oh, was no. there late. They were screaming at each other. <sighs> you know, a few days later, Neil called him up and said, look, you're like the worst that can ever happen. <laughs> My client says, this is like so bad and we want to understand it right? because we want to make sure that nothing like this ever happens again. We know there were multiple things went wrong. We want to hear, tell me, tell me, yeah. tell me, tell me. Okay. So Neil listened, took it back. And you know what? That very unhappy customer placed another order. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Another Did they just feel heard, listened to? They, they feel just... heard, and they said, yeah. we've been heard, and you know what? They want to fix these problems, and they have a good product overall, so we're going to trust them right. to do it right. Wow. So I'm not saying that's going to happen here. We're, we're not looking to turn around any customers, but I'm just saying that this is a very powerful message to customers. We want to understand you better right. so we can serve you better. Right. And that's your basic message. Do you have a few minutes? When is it convenient? Just want to ask nothing proprietary. I mean, we're not trying to get the, anything confidential. Yeah. Uh, but. And we, not, the, not the salesperson that sold it. No. Maybe the marketing person that's involved. Yep. 
someone who can relate, like you said, you can relate to the buyer as well. So when yeah. they, they throw out some nuances, you're picking up on them because you're in the same industry, hopefully. Yes. Or you're just good yes. at listening. Okay. So what then what I do is I get my interviewers or you could have that person because there are tone of voice. So much of what we communicate, mm. remember, is nonverbal. Right. Or it's, it's not just the words. Even over the telephone, I'll get questions like, well, was that said sarcastically? You know, when I was in Good sales, yeah. my customers would ask, one of my customers would look at me and say, that little problem we had, was that a feature or a bug? <laughs> uh, I'm like, okay, okay, I get it. I get it. You know, it's like, so then you, uh, I, I just knew that was sarcasm, right. you know, so you get that tone of voice right. kind of context. And that's what we, that's what an interview does for you. You right. get that, that context, that tone of voice. Um, we so have not, done. If you're, if you're not recording, like you said, because sometimes it makes people nervous. Um, you, you don't want to do it illegally. You don't want to wiretap your customers. But if you're not recording, it's important to note the answer. But then also, to your point, that you know the feeling associated with the context. Yes. What do you do? Do you just put like, you know, the the note and then sarcastic or? We, you have we, like a yeah, courtroom, have courtroom recorder listening in, you know? Yeah. We try to, you know, um, make notes of things like that. Now, right. I once did a, a program um, where half the interviews were in person. And we were trying to understand. Cool. The client wanted to understand, is it better to do it in person or better to oh. do it? Okay. Now, it takes a lot more to do it in person. Because oh, we yeah. went all over the, the country. I went... And I oh, talked really? to somebody you, like flew to the office. Hell yeah. Company. That's, that's, that's a baller move. They're, I'm sure they're paying a lot more for that too. That's crazy. They were paying a lot more. Yeah. Um, and what was interesting. So I flew actually to Springfield, uh, Missouri. Now you don't think about that. The guy said you were willing to come here. Nobody else comes here. Actually yeah. that's, that's, you know, Brand, that's right near Branson. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. I was going to say, did you go catch a show? <laughs> no, I, I had to, you know, my schedule yeah. was too busy, yeah. but that's like, but people don't fly. I mean, that is such a big area for tourism, but people who want interviews like this, who want to talk about business, they don't go through Branson. So this was like, okay, I'll talk to you because you're willing to fly here. So for that, right. we found a lot of similarities between the people who chose the client and the people who chose the competitor. But one thing we picked up from the personal interviews was that the people who chose the client were older. We could kind of see could that. see them. Yes. You get a feel from looking at LinkedIn and how, um, and what their career path has been. Right. And you older, also get a- more experienced. Yeah, versus kind of younger. You also get a feel for by names. I mean, we all sure. know, particularly for women, if they're named Ashley, you know, they're this age. If they're named Susan, <laughs> you know, I hate to say that, but, sure. you know, that kind of thing. But I'm just saying that that was something that we found through personal interviews. Yeah. But otherwise, we heard about the same, this, we got the same kind of message. So I'm not yep. sure it's really worthwhile, but that's a question right. that people have. Right. I wonder what you do with information like that too, because obviously you want to make it actionable or maybe just okay. noting that. Oh, no, we're making it 
at word yeah, make like sorry i forgot to turn it off oh no worries you ask on a form it just makes it more realistic but like um, on a form how old are you yeah. <laughs> if you're if you're 40 plus you're more likely to buy with us the, the lead grade goes up like how, how do they use that what they used it for um was to change your advertising huh so they're advertising. So then they took a look at that competitor's advertising versus theirs. Yeah. And, you know, clear message. It was faster paced. It was jazzy. It was um, appealing to a younger demographic. They could see that. Yeah. And then they also saw that the message was, you know, don't choose one of the established players. You know, don't be ordinary. Take a risk. We're worth it. Make a name for yourself by choosing the up and comer. So there was also a message as well as the context of the, the speed. Were they the, the up and comer or did or, no, my or client was the established. Was established. So and they, they were they, competing against an up and comer. Right. And, and so the people they were, they were talking to that up and comer stuff didn't resonate with them as much as like, this is the tried true. Exactly. But when you saw that the competitors buyers were younger, it was appealing to them. So the point, yeah, all these programs should right. be done with the idea you're going to take action. And yes. the action in this case was to revise the advertising and the messages to appeal to a younger demographic without totally losing their existing demographic. Right. Because right. they had to get those younger buyers or they were going to be locked out. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I that's, that's just an example of a very specific program that illustrates a couple points. So in general, I don't recommend that clients go in person unless there's like a trade show and it's easy to go talk to a bunch of people, but there is a slight, there is possibility of more information so from the, an in-person view. A little more information. I don't know. Like I, when I heard you talking about, it, I was like, here's my client list. Go say hi. Cause I, I don't I know. I got a little nervous cause I, I would love to talk to them. But would I be biased and would I jump to assumptions or, you know? You like should I should go talk to them. It's, this is not. I want to. This is not in lieu of you going to talk to them because you could talk more about, well, here's, I want to uh, yeah, hear what you want to do that I can, can do for you in the future. So your conversations are much more future oriented, I would guess. Right. How's no, it yeah, going? Sure. You know. Yeah, this is where I want you to be. I want you to be. And we want to help you yes. grow over to this point. This is where you should be, and here's the steps to get there and that kind of thing. We're um, more establishing that you know, baseline decision yeah. for you, and then you're going to go off and talk to them and say, how can we work together in the future? Yeah. So I like that. We, we should do a road trip together where yeah. you meet them first and figure out why we're even talking in the first place, and then I'll yeah. come in and I'll, and I'll give them the dreams of the future and talk to them about the steps they need to take to get there. Exactly. That's exactly. Cool. It's a different, it's a different function. Different so I'm not saying don't, yeah. don't go, you know, this is not an, not to say don't, don't have somebody from your organization go talk to them. That's important, but it's a different kind of conversation. We're different providing that baseline and you build on it when you go talk to people. Right, right. And it, it, it almost sounds like it needs that. I mean, you've got that sort of uh, Sherlocky Holmes type inquisitive mystery solving Whereas I might have missed a little detail, the, you know, the, the fingerprint on the lampshade, I missed it. Well, <laughs> yes. I'm looking at the, the bright lights over there across the street, you know, so it needs yeah. the right person who's thinking about what are these little, the tone changes, the, the things that are unsaid, 
about someone makes a lot of sense to have someone listening like that. We're information junkies, you know. Yeah. We get off a phone call and say, wow, that was great. I really understood why they made that decision. I mean, we like that kind of thing. That yeah. We're that kind of people, uh, analytic, analytic, you know, and so I can go, hey, this is why they did that. Analytic, you but know, you're still easy to talk to, you know, yeah. which I oh, think yeah. helps. Otherwise, talking to a robot, you know. Oh, no, um, no, no. Yeah, you, that would You got to have people who get on the phone and, and, and want to to talk and want to listen so then i can get back to you and say hey casey your customers say x you know this yeah you know and it's really then you can go from there and and talk about what else you could do for them right right because you've got that basic understanding that's really cool i'm wondering we talked about action oriented earlier do you have any tips or approaches you have you've just completed the the conversation uh, maybe you've completed all 10. How do you then take the, you know, the transcripts or the takeaways from that? And do you help them shape that into action? Do you have any ways that you go about doing that? Well, we do you know, the analysis. I mean, you get kind of yeah. a transcript that is as much as we can. So you can look at the nuances of the conversation. But we also analyze it so that you can see that, you know, uh, most of your customers said they really liked uh, the way you know, your product was installed, right. you know, so it was really easy to install. So it was up and running quickly. Mm. So then you say, okay, is that, is that something we emphasize in our message? And then of course those product features. Now, if you're going to be going after leads, do you have the right fit for those leads? I mentioned, I just remember, cause a couple of times this whole international language has come up. I mean, most software is in English and most of the time that's fine. Right. But every once in a while, you need accounting or you need foreign exchange or you need foreign yeah. language. You know, those things about being U.S. versus being global. So you, you do need that. Um, you obviously need, uh, most software needs to be integrated in with the basic CRM system. So sure. that's obviously a question too. Everybody does Salesforce, but you do any of the others. So those are the kinds of things where you should look at it, your leads and say, if we only in it work well with Salesforce and this prospect doesn't have Salesforce, should we be there at all? Agreed. So, so that's one of the things that you're, you're giving more of a roadmap to marketing and sales. So that's one of the action items. Right. Trying to say, here's your best prospects. Here's the messages you should be putting out. So I'm helping them do battle cards basically. Yeah, no, I like that. Um, um, battle cards. And you, as you were talking, you're, you're, you're like getting my mind thinking. And I've seen this on other websites. And I don't know if we do this on our, we got a brand new website. And um, I, we need to make sure our forms even ask. Like we work with people that have Pardot, right? Yes. And Salesforce. Yes. So if you don't have those two, Mazel Tov. But like, that's not like, you know, cool. Well, like, somebody yeah. yeah happy totally. life you know it's like yeah. enjoy exactly that's exactly it and right. you need to you know make it clear right up front right. that that that's what you do now that's a very simple and very obvious and it's simple not question. so obvious yeah, yeah. in for some cases or the forms the lead forms don't aren't that explicit they should be that explicit so sometimes it's just going through kind of a bunch of things have you thought of this have you thought of that right oh yeah so sometimes you know, they've got 90% of what they need on a lead form, but they've left out that qualifier. Right. So 
and then the battle cards. So yeah, yeah, tell me about that. What is a battle card? Because I've heard it and it sounds super badass. Yeah, oh, it's but great. What is that? So even? you're taking this information about yeah. what, the, what the competitors are saying to the customer. Right. And you're saying, all right, here's what they're saying and here's what we should be saying to the customer in response. Right. So if they're going in and saying, hey, Pardot is really difficult to install. Well, no, not if, you know, then you're saying our installations tend to be, you know, take half as long as our competitors. Right. So you're, you're going in and you're saying, if you're hearing this from a prospect, it's from a competitor. Oh, so you know, you can alert. see the prospect. Yeah. yeah. Alert, this is junk from a competitor. If you hear this, this is likely where it came from. Yeah. Or it could be a valid concern, but I'm just saying right. So you have this battle card and you know what the competitors are saying because you've heard it from these wins and losses. And then you want to have a good response ready. So that's what your, your salespeople uh, have. And you could build that in to like Salesforce if you're doing, if you're doing prospecting and right. you're putting all that info. It's creating the content. I don't do Salesforce. I mean, I'm not a technical person. The point is you can have the, that information, those responses ready. So it's right. called a battle card. Battle card. It used to be a card for the battle. But yes, I love that. So battle you're, card. Yes. So again, you're making sure that the competitor doesn't define the needs and the the pros and cons of each solution. Right. So you don't want a competitor in there saying, "Well, you really need, you know, an interface to." Uh, Oracle. Yeah, I've definitely experienced that where there's a certain feature that I don't know if Pardot even has it now. Most like it and the big players don't have this feature. Old school platforms do. It's not even a healthy feature to have. But I recall being on some sales calls where they're saying, do you have this thing? And I was like, okay, I know where that come, came from. Exactly. Like, exactly. But the problem is they talk to them first, so they have this in their head that they really need to get this feature because it sounds so cool. Really, they don't even need it at all. And, they, and actually, they shouldn't use it ever. But, yes. Um, but because it's already in their head, now you have to like deprogram them, which is way exactly. harder than just sort of setting the landmine in the first place. So, yeah, I've definitely experienced you gotta it. Have that exactly. But you got to have that statement ready. If you do hear that, right. you have to like say, oh, yes, we have found that that is no longer really helpful. So you're not trying to, of course, knock it. You're not trying to say, oh, you're wrong, Mr. Customer. You're trying to say, well, things have actually changed, so you don't really need that anymore, and here's why you don't need it anymore. So you're not ever telling the customer they're wrong or the prospect they're wrong. Right. You, know, you want to just say, let's, let's tell them why they don't need it anymore. That's what I right. found. The kind of way you want to approach it on a battle card. Again, I've been in sales, so I can help write those. But that's where you use this information. And that's one of the ways in which you use this information. So huh. why would you have all your salespeople develop these one by one. No, you want to take your best. You want to take this information and, and spread it out throughout your sales force. Gosh, so valuable. Yeah. I, I hope yeah. it's not like an infomercial for everyone, but like I'm, I'm literally selling myself on, on this. And then also almost like buying this for friends. Like if you really yeah. care about someone, <laughs> they need this, you know, you need like a, like a, I don't, you know, X thousand dollar gift card to, you know, that people yes. can buy for their friends. Friends don't let friends market without knowing their buyers. 
exactly exactly and i'm passionate about it because i believe in it i really do and i've been told that well you know you're good at this because you really understand how it can benefit so i'm not trying to sell them something that i don't believe in i believe because i've seen the benefits where i've seen them change their marketing i've seen them change their advertising i've seen their qualify their sales leads much more carefully and the real benefits to it right so, and you can you can't buy them the book now i um i have a friend who's done a lot of it and she wrote a great book ellen naylor huh. it's and it, so that's another way you can have a reference book you don't need me i'm just fine i'm just fine the yeah here it is win loss analysis how to capture and keep the business you want that is cool. So buy that to everybody you know for Christmas or yeah, okay. the holidays, whatever. You know, you slip know a little that. gift card for for your services in there too. You know, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it you know what a cool what a cool thing and ah man for step you know step one in the CSI just really understanding your buyer, but the fact that it's not a one and done. I mean, even coming into this conversation, I was of the one and done mindset because like. I had, we haven't even really done it. So I want to yes. do it the first time, but at the same time, great. You've established that. So now the work's a little easier. You're not completely in the dark, but, but keep it, keep it up the tempo. Would you say do like the 10, 10 plus 10 every quarter? Yeah. Um, at least that kind of thing. Do you have people doing yeah. like way more? At, at what point is like a diminishing return? You know, if you, is it well, you kind of see, you kind of, kind of see if it's okay. maybe 10 or it's 15, kind of say, I'm seeing the same things. Let's right. not continue. Right. You know that you, you kind of see it. So right. the thing is, I always talk first with people like you when we met. Yeah. I always talk about the initial program because I want to get the people to understand the benefits of doing it. And that if you go, well, you should do it every quarter, then they go, oh my God, that's like, such yeah, a I big know. You thing. just oh, up no. the price on oh, them. No, I can't. Yeah. So you got to see the benefits of doing it once. And then you say, keep doing it. Dang, I love this. I'll see you in a quarter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's see what's going on. Maybe we can do five interviews each and that'll be enough or we'll do 10. It depends. Right. So I think that that's why you need to kind of get your head around doing it once, see the benefits, have people in the organization go, yeah, yeah, this is helpful. And then talk about keeping up with it. Do you do the battle cards for people as well? I can. After yeah. that, yeah, because I, yeah. I just think that'd be really interesting to, you know, you take the actual insights for marketing, and then also you have these, you know, these battle cards for the sales side. You know how they can address yeah. different things, or or just FYI sales here here. Yeah. You know, because sometimes we get siloed where marketing does a project and then they don't tell the rest of the organization or vice versa. So just getting the information out there, you know, to everyone. Exactly. I mean, I've, you know, talked to salespeople, trained salespeople, but it really depends on what the client wants. Do they want me to do just the external piece? And then I'll sit down with their marketing people and they'll write the battle cards. It's fine with me. I'm just, I'm just saying you need this information. Yeah. Do this thing. However I can help. Great. You know, that's what I'm picking up. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm not coming in and saying, I'll do it all for you. No, no, no. I want to just provide what they need. So that sounds can, tempting yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. But also, like I say, yeah. they can do some of, I had one client where I did the losses and they did the wins. Oh, that's smart. <laughs> that's yeah. smart. Well, uh, if they were a little budget constrained and, and so, but what we did do is sit down and we had a, we agreed on a set of questions. 
So when they were bringing their new clients on, they included that set of questions so you could compare them. And then I went off and did the losses. So then you had a total program for not a lot of budget. Right. Not as much budget. Although, again, you have to decide what do you want to do internally and what do you want to do externally? It's often just a bandwidth question. I could even see, you know, doing it once with you and kind of getting it getting a sense for it and then you know if i wanted to then continue maybe maybe do it on our own after that maybe we're just like dang just keep going this is awesome yeah. you know either yeah. way that first I, I get it that first one's kind of that you gotta get over that hump you gotta get some of this core data but once you see it i mean you're having aha moments left and right as you have these conversations with people so that's fun you know so oh it is yeah more fun back into marketing here you know we don't, we don't mind. I mean, that's one of the things that, you know, we'll do we, as we do it, we'll teach you how to do it. Right. Because you know what? Otherwise you're just like spending more and more money outside. And then you go, wait a minute, I could just hire somebody to do this. And we go, yeah, totally. And it's totally. your element. It's your unique ability. You're, you're locked in like for sure that it's a great decision to, you know, to contemplate is whether to, you know, use someone else or, but to your point, you don't need me, but Dang, it sounds pretty good. So here's my question. I think I could talk to you about this all day. I'm wondering, who exactly are you? How did you come to become this buyer whisperer? You know, um, <sighs> a lot of the tech space as well. But, you know, take me back to little Parmelee days. Or like, hey, how did you, what would the journey look like to get you to where you're at now? Well, I, as I mentioned, I graduated from Harvard Business School and I went to work yeah. for Digital Equipment Corporation, okay. which dates me, I know. Okay. Yeah. But Some people listening company. to this are like, what's that? <laughs> yeah, I know. Deck? One of those companies that, you know, used to be. Yeah. Um, you know, there were all the mini computer makers and then there were all the uh, workstation guys, all these companies that have disappeared, although I, yeah. I, uh, I still hear from HP every once in a while because Deck was bought by Compact, it was bought by HP. But anyway, my point is it was like a billion dollar startup. It was wild, and but it was a lot of fun. Wow. And so I did a, a variety of jobs in there. I was in finance, I was in marketing, I was in customer finance, and I was in sales. And I did a couple of- uh, so You like hopped yeah. around. Yeah, that was what was great about the company. I got to oh, see a cool. lot of different functions. Yeah, that was neat. So what I really liked was uh, some of the competitive work I did. I did battle cards um, for the engineering group. Yeah. Um, uh, their systems against some other competitive systems. I, I really liked that analysis and that comparison. So when I left digital, I started working for a small firm that did sales lead generation. And then I heard uh, a Leonard Fold speak. He was one of the kind of the fathers of competitive intelligence. And I went, yeah, it's like, that's me. That's yeah. me. I want to do that. And I, and I worked uh, there. Um, I started working there at doing research and I just liked it. It, I'm, you know, I'm a, a lot of us, it sounds odd, but we were, we were teachers kids, you know, okay. you, yeah, yeah. you deal in information. That's kind of our information is good. We like finding it. We like explaining it. We like thinking about it. So it's kind of a core for me. So I found that and it just fit and I'm really good at it yeah. because I like it and it fits what I, what I do best, which is seeking information and putting the pieces together right? and working. And I, because I've been in these different functions, I can work well with a lot of different 
functions within my clients and I can understand what, what they need. Got it. Now your undergrad was in economics. So yes. I could see how like that would play out the financial side or the numbers, yes. but this sounds like even way more human, the human side, the conversations, but is, yes. is there some kind of twist in economics in that or, you know, well, I think you, there is um, yeah. in a sense that there's, there's trends that are, yeah. are connect the business and you're going to have to think about that and sure. see how companies are responding to that. And, and I think it makes it, you know, we, we talk about, Oh, we got, you know, there's a downturn coming and we've got to be careful about that. No, sometimes the companies that say there's a downturn coming and I'm going to steal everybody else's yeah. market shares. Get yeah. some. I love that. Yeah. So let's see are they pulling back so you kind of look and say are are they not investing because they're hunkering down then maybe this is the time for me to reach out so right. the companies that that act um uh in you know in the opposite of the economic trends will right. sometimes do very very well right I'm, if you're prepared wait, for wait. it and you get yeah. aggressive you know when winter comes because winter is coming then just always coming. We don't know when. Yeah. But, but if you're prepared for it, you got your muck lux fastened, you got some smoked salmon in the hut. You can go out yeah. there and start stealing some potatoes during the Yeah, you know, whatever. You're neighbors. you're out yeah. there. You're you're out there. You can be out there a little bit before yeah. everybody else. Right. You know, you want to be a leader, not a laggard. So right. you kind of look at these economic trends and you kind of say, okay, what what are the uh, signals. I mean, right now, for example, we, we're in a really long expansion. It doesn't mean we're going to crash tomorrow, but you know, I think companies should be looking at what's going on and kind of looking at those leading indicators and kind of thinking about what are my plans. You've got to do some scenario planning. That's a whole other topic, but thinking about what might happen and how am I going to plan for it right. so that you're ready for several different uh, possibilities in terms of economic trends. So that's the big picture in which companies do this. You know, also, you know, I, I hate to say it, but they also cut back on research mm. when times are bad. And that's exactly the time when they should be spending on it. That's a good point. You've got to do more with less. Well, then yeah. how do you do more with less? You spend a little bit of money to find out how you could be more uh, effective. Yeah, because if you're gonna if you're gonna tighten up your ad spend, you want to get really specific about who you're going after. Really specific exactly. on where you're what what conferences you're going to. Yeah, we go to 80. No, no, no. You need to find out what conferences are working, but then also find out if they're working or not. But which ones should you be going after? You know? Exactly. Makes a lot of it, sense. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, we we need to make sure that you know our salespeople are are you know they they got a higher win rate. We need to make sure that they can bring in the money faster. Finance right. loves win loss, by the way, because they usually <laughs> bring money faster. That's a good point. Yeah. You know, it's counterintuitive though, because I could see this being, you know, unless everyone's clear on what you're getting out of this, you know, it, this is not a, a nice to have. This no, is like it, the foundation of all of your marketing and sales efforts. Uh, it, it's 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 almost like this is completing a feedback loop on all of those efforts, you know. And you may have some some numbers to show this conference or this conference, but you may not know why. And that's a good point. You put on these questions: Which yeah. conferences do you go to? Oh, cool. Yeah, which conferences do you go to? Who do you send? Um, where do you get your information? 
you right. know, do you have, yeah. do you sign up for these subscription services? Which ones? Like I've had lots of people tell me, well, we, uh, you know, we look at the gardener, you know, we look at the magic quadrants. That's how we decide who we're going to look at. Do people actually do that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes, people actually, that's what uh, they tell me. They, that's what they do just as a starter point. Sure. So, so yes, there are, there are those influencers out there. So then you say, uh-oh, we better work with Gartner more to get ourselves right. in that magic quadrant because we're hearing that our customers do look at that. Do look at it. Yeah. So and they've told you themselves. And, exactly. And you're asking what about that to make sure they're not just throwing out some rational explanation for the fact they love getting cookies in the mail, you know? Oh, um, I know. Yeah. So that's, so you, yeah. you just but need to understand. Yeah. What, uh, what, where are they getting their information? What do they consider credible? Which trade shows, which, you know, so what are they doing? So that yeah. you can focus on what they're doing. Now, it may be that once you lost were the ones that are going to Gartner and then you go, oh, <laughs> maybe I could have been. Yeah. Well, how did, well, wait a minute. If you're involved in it, are they, how did you get involved in it? So maybe it's not so important, but yet. So the one thing we're missing here is the people that yeah. didn't consider you. But right. maybe that's okay. If they couldn't find you at all, maybe you weren't right for them. Right. That's a whole other topic, but right. essentially, yeah, you need to look and see where the wins and losses are getting their information and what's influencing them. Maybe you got in there, but the Gartner imprint was a big influence. I'm not right. saying it is. Usually I hear that it's a source of a list of possible yes. providers. Yeah. It rather for me than, too. Yeah. 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 Source. It's like the a source. It's source. Yeah. a directional source. It's a place to start. Right. Where do you start otherwise? I mean, it's just, it's too difficult. It's a quick way to make a decision on where to start, but yeah. it's not an end for the, mo for the most part. Interesting. So that's where you can help, you know, you can help craft a lot of other, um, of your marketing activities based on what you hear from these customers. Right. Now this is just, so, we find that if we get a good list from our clients, yeah. that we can get in touch with about half of them. So it's not a complete view. Okay. But we haven't found that the ones that are not responding are radically different from the ones that are. Because I say 50% is 50% of both those who made the decision for you and against you. So. Right. So it works so, some will ways. chat, some won't, but it sounds like it's all, if you have enough conversations you're, you're hearing that same you know similar story or stories different paths that are happening and you're yep. making a call it makes a lot of sense you know you are like a you're a, a walking mystery novel i could see you compiling you know leave the company name off you know i, I would read a chapter uh book or listen to it on audible of of like these interviews like every chapter yes. is like a different client and it's like Ooh, you know, you know, we went in knowing this, and this is what happened. I'm like, Oh no, that's so crazy. Maybe, maybe it's just us geeking out about buyers, but it just seems like those aha moments are so valuable if you, you know, take action on them. Exactly. And I have had clients who said, I, that was a lot of great information, but I really didn't know what to do with it. I'm like, Oh, cause I hate it. You know, mm. it's like you give somebody a gift and they go, Oh, no, you, I'm giving them something. I want them to use it. I really do. Right. So, you know, I like to try and help them, but if they're fine with taking it and running with it, fine. But I really want them to see, see it being used. 
Yeah. Because I can see what it can do for them. Yeah. And by the way, I love mystery novels. You, you hit that exactly right. Because I'm like, all right, can I figure out before the end of the book who did it? Do you usually figure it out or? Depends. Not always. Yeah. I mean, some of the books are kind of designed to have that one important fact, like right near the end. Yeah. Because they got to hook their readers and keep them reading until the end. If it's too obvious. Yeah. Then nobody's going to buy the next one. So. You know, what? one of my favorite isn't necessarily a mystery novel, but it's, um, it's, uh, it's about the Bobaverse. It's about this, it's this like three part trilogy, sci-fi kind of thing. And at the very end, something cool happens. And I was like, that came out of left field. Actually it didn't like, you know, 12 chapters prior, or maybe in some other book they did, they did plant the seed. And it took me like the second time I listened to it. Cause it just, I just loved being in that universe. Um, I, I was like, Oh, this is that vague reference to sending people on like a, a mission that may or may not work. And then the very end of the book is it, it's working. So, but yeah, it's funny, depending on the kind of the hints they drop, sometimes you have a good picture or I mean, they should drop enough that you could guess it if you were really paying attention yeah. and, and, you know, keeping it all in mind. So Do you have I mean, any favorites? I just, well, I read all the classics when I was younger, you know, all the Agatha Christie. Yeah. Oh, and I like some of the ones. There's, there's, um, there's ones about dogs. Oh, oh really? and then there's, then there's one um, about, about cats with it. The guy uh, has a cat that a Siamese cat that helps him figure things out by <laughs> pushing certain books off. No the, way. <laughs> oh yeah, no. It's like these are for cat lovers, you know. Right, right. The cat who robbed the bank, the cat who had six sixty uh, whiskers. So there's whole series of them, and they're they're really very similar. But it's right. like you know the characters. Um, then there's a. Uh, but then there's another one, uh, Janet uh, Ivanovich, who writes these. It, it, they're almost like crazy. It's about really? it's about a bounty hunter who gets involved in all these crazy chases, and somebody gets killed, and she's got to figure it out before they go after her. But it's crazy. She'll they'll bomb her car. They'll wow. douse her with water. I mean, there's all these. Yeah crazy things it's not realistic but it's fun to read oh for sure and but you yeah. know what's cool is is that you know you're solving mysteries at work and at home and yes. and i actually i remember growing up um parents grandparents a lot of dick francis books and oh yes i read those guy just likes horses so every mystery novel he writes involves a horse or a jockey or horse racing hey why not and, you know write about what you love and he did but they were actually really cool um, I just remember one guy was in a desert. He woke up in a desert and, and he wasn't missing a kidney, but like the car was, you know, and you're like, who, how did you get here? And I just remember there being some really well-written books, you know, whether you like horses yeah. or not, it was just well-written. They were well-written. Yeah. Had that, that, that consistent trend along the way. That's right. And then there's, as I mentioned, there's one, um, about a dog trainer. So it oh, always yeah, yeah. involved yeah. dogs. It's somebody, in Cambridge, Mass. So obviously, I think that the writer obviously lives in Cambridge, Mass, and has a dog, sure. and and it's just a nice setting for the yeah. mystery, and and of course the dogs get involved in some way, right? Not 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 figuring it out, but but involved in some way. So it's just kind of fun to read. Subtle way, yeah. Yeah, subtle way, and 
but then it's an excuse to talk to people. Right. You know, having a dog is always a good excuse to talk to people. So, yeah. you know, those devices go in and you read enough of them and you see the devices, but you're still enjoying them because they're pretty, they're fun. Reminds me of like Columbo. I don't know if you remember him back yes. in the day. You know, yep. I, I used to, um, I would do recruiting. I was a recruiter for a while. I kind of did what you did where you just sort of try out different places and different organizations. And I remember being a recruiter and my approach was always like the Columbo approach. Um, cause I was a technical recruiter and I was hiring people. This is like high level ETL database migration stuff. Um, yep. but we, we had some battle cards enough to know to be dangerous of like the question and the question, 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 and the answer, answer, answer to know that we could technically evaluate people. But I would, I would ask them these questions to see if they knew the answer, but I would, I would always kind of be more uh, Columbo. He was so like off-putting. A lot of people thought he was dumb you know, and that he didn't really know what he was doing. But in the end, there'd be this little twinkle and suddenly he just solved the case. You're like, pe people like sort of dropped their guard a little bit and were real exactly. around him. And then he got the real answer. So I did a little bit of that re with recruiting. You know, when people said some, an some BS answer to some technical question, I was like, oh, okay. You know, that's interesting. Yeah. Like, eh, X. <laughs> Next. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. I used to watch those murders she wrote. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, Angela. Yeah. Angela Lansbury, and it was like she was just this little lady that yep. was just being polite. And, yeah, yeah, and then it's like, hmm. But so that was, uh, you know, so that was kind of fun. Totally. And she, and she had the uh, bumbling nephew, and I remember several programs where he kind of bumbled into murders and oh, geez. was accused, and she had to rescue him. I mean, so there was a little human interest there too. Right. Yeah, I what? don't remember the the cousin, but I do remember her. And we, recently, the kids we watched uh, uh, Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. I know the old school Disney movie. Angela Lansbury, she looks fantastic. I don't know if she was yeah. in her thirties or forties or whatever. I mean, she's like timeless. But yes, uh, she is. Yeah, and <laughs> she was like the hero heroine. She was a, a witch back in that. Oh movie. Yeah. yeah. Well, she's a good actress. I'm just saying. She's really that's, good actress. That's yeah. I think of her as that. That's. She's murder. She wrote for me. Oh, totally. Christina, but she's totally generally, generally good actress. But I, that's what I do for kind of relaxation, where I don't have to be like catching every nuance. I can just kind of relax and enjoy it and try and guess. And if I can't guess, eh, there's no big deal. True. You don't have to write a report on the the things you've learned for this particular client because it's in a book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like okay, but. That's who I am. That's what right. I enjoy doing. So that's so I'm cool. Happy to, yeah, happy to have found something that I really like. That's what I tell people: do follow your passion, find out what you like to do, and do it. Right, and do it. So and that's like totally different from what we started off talking about. But <laughs> yeah, it's important though. You know, like you have a unique ability, you have a passion for this. It's an interesting, exciting, a little bit scary because you're like, hmm, are we? And we're gonna solve this, you know? Yeah. And and every yeah, project, we, every new project is like, oh, is this one going to go okay? You always wonder. Right. It always does, but it's that, that energy and excitement of how is this going to work out? I feel a little bit like that with podcasts too, you know? Yeah. How is this podcast going to work out? Which, by the way, this has been awesome. I don't know if you've even seen the clock, but like time, we've been like this little little buyer time warp just now. <laughs> yeah, I just noticed the time. I'm, I've really just enjoyed talking about it. Yeah. I mean, I love this stuff and to have somebody – asking me questions about it and I can just talk about it. I love it. Totally. And I'm over here learning and I, I've got like two pieces of paper, you know, yeah, front and back here, just 
So this has been awesome. I, I you know, thank you so much for coming here. Oh, can no. you share like links and how people can contact you and where we need to go? And what we'll do is we'll also put them in the show notes for people to click on. Yes. Um, I'm on LinkedIn okay. and you can just, uh, the easiest, um, Email is just eastside at verizon.net because it's like nice and short. I mean, I have all the professional ones, but yeah, let's just cut to the chase and use eastside, E-A-S-T-S-I-G-H-T at verizon.net. Boom. And then, or look at me on LinkedIn. Um, and I'm happy to send you, send people, you know, more information about win-loss or show them where some of the 30% returns have, you know, have come from, where that's documented. Because yeah. it's been a number of times at people have looked at it and said, yep, this, this makes sense. Right. Even, we that, did, even that did, client that, you know, that they saved just by having a conversation with that probably paid for the whole thing anyways, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We just lost a bid by the way on a win loss program when using the 30% and our competitors used a higher return. Really? We were just trying to be conservative. You know, we'd rather say 30%. And then if it's 40%, you're going, wow, that's great. Right. And not BS people. Now, is that really why they went? Is because you said 30%? Did you do like a win loss on them? Do I need we, to do the phone call for you or, or were you able to do it? <laughs> we, did, we did it. And that wasn't the only reason, but they did mention that as one of the factors. And we were like, really? Because really? that, that's like, we'd always, yeah, I mean, that's a pretty good return. So I just mentioned that as kind of a, hey, I'm talking about 30% because it's like, hey, I know I could do it. Yeah. I wonder if it's like in my head when I heard return, I heard like out of 100, I'm going to get 30 back. And I'm like, oh. But then when we talked about it, I realized actually my stuff's going to increase by 30%. I'm like, oh, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's a, my company is now a third bigger size than it was before. Um, so that, yeah, that makes sense. But that's cool. You, you're doing, you, you know, using your own thing and doing your own research and, and but yeah don't yeah don't fall into the bs trap either yeah those people no, are out gonna, there you know you don't want that client either if they're gonna you know somebody else is like hey we do we do 300 percent. you're like okay great so you're the client that falls for bs and is cranky afterward when you don't get it you know exactly no 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 i, yeah. I want a good long-term relationship totally you gotta totally. have a good good working relationship that's what i like 100 and they like too Great. Hey, this is wonderful. I can't believe we've used up all this time. Yeah. Well, again, thank you so much. Oh, no. Thank you for having me. This I've really fun. enjoyed it. Hey, we're going to have to get you back on here. At the end of the year, we're going to talk about marketing planning. And I love that you know, were talking, we almost got into it, but I, I held off the idea of planning for the possibilities and the trends and yeah. you know, kind of bring in some of your economics and your, your wisdom there. So that's, maybe we'll chat later on this year and just talk about planning for marketing. Great. No, awesome. I'd love to. Love Good to. deal. Well, again, thank you so much. And, you know, for everyone listening, you know, if you learn something here and there's no way you didn't because I did and I've been yeah. taking notes and, uh, and being polite and actually having conversations. So you should have double the notes that I do. Um, if you've learned anything, make sure you share this, you know, subscribe and then share this episode with someone else so that they get the message too. Um, this is so important. That foundation of, of all the marketing you do, don't you want it to be effective? This is how we do it. So I'm so glad to have learned this. And so make sure you share this with everyone else. And yeah, this has been awesome. So we will catch you all next time. This has been the Hardcore Marketing Show. We'll see you.